Hello there, Vitamizers, and welcome back to the How Do You Health podcast. As always, I'm Allison here in Austin, Texas with Slenderella and your hosts, Nurse Doza and Baldo at Tex-Mex Yogi. Um, this talk was super cool. I definitely creeped in. It was a video call, so the audio is going to sound a little different than normal. Uh, I definitely creeped in on it. <laughs> but Kim is our guest for today, and I know I usually wait, <laughs> but she's a super insightful person about finance and all of that stuff. But before I get more into what she talks about, the How Do You Health podcast is brought to you by Slenderella. Slenderella is a vitamin shot and IV blend that was designed to help your liver function optimally. It got its name when the creator started noticing that liver detox was causing many clients to lose weight. Now there is a whole line of different Slenderella blends that you can customize for your needs, as well as a supplement line to support all of your Slenderella goals. You can find distributors and more information at www.slenderellausa.com. This podcast is recorded at MSW Lounge. MSW Lounge is located in Westlake Hills in Austin, Texas. They provide a variety of services, including vitamin shots and IVs, the whole Slenderella family, concierge medicine, chiropractic, massage therapy, a vitamin drink bar, and tons of other local company offerings for ways to clean up your health and naturally stay that way for a long time. Find out more at www.mswlounge.com. This podcast is sponsored by Athletic Outcomes. Athletic Outcomes is Austin's boutique wellness studio focusing on functional fitness and sports recovery. Located in Southeast Austin, AO provides services such as personal training, group classes, pre and postnatal training, nutrition coaching, massage therapy, chiropractic, recovery compression boots, and MSW lounge vitamin shots. It's your one-stop shop for health and fitness. Check them out on social media at Athletic Outcomes to stay up to date on their events and programs. This podcast is produced by Flabs to Fitness, Inc. Flabs to Fitness is an online wellness company that specializes in mindful eating, personalized workout programs, and offers a subscription workout program for 20-minute workouts you can do anywhere. It's also a social media content firm for creation and scheduling of content and engagement with your fans on a variety of platforms, including this podcast. Find out more at www.flabstofitness.com. Okay, so Kim Butler is a prosperity economics advisor at Partners for Prosperity, and she knows her stuff when it comes to money and finances and investments and all that. And I definitely learned a lot in this talk, and I think you guys will as well. We connected with her originally at Christina Wise's event, and we're very lucky to have gotten her on this podcast. She is a busy woman who uh, was gracious enough to share her time with us. So here is Kim Butler on the How Do You Health podcast. So welcome to the Heidi Health Podcast. We're here with Kim Butler from Partners for Prosperity. Uh, we met uh, Kim over at uh, one of our other friends, Christina Wise's uh, event. And uh, I learned so much from you just from like sitting in for maybe like 15, 20 minutes and communicating with you. So uh, I'm ex- I, we've been excited to, to talk to you and to learn more about the health of wealth. Um, as well too but obviously we have nurse doza here we're going to talk some vitamins we're going to talk some health and uh, yeah let's get this party started so kim you've written many books on financial advice i should say right yeah so what you you're you're kind of this person who has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to finance but what's your official title like what what, what should we refer to you as i call myself a prosperity economics advisor 
and maybe financial advisors easier, but the reason that I use a different term is because we practice a very different approach to personal finance, just like you guys practice a very different approach to health. Mm -hmm. And so I like the term prosperity economics and it's a term I coined. And so that's the title. Wonderful. So if someone were to come to you, how do they typically encounter you? What's like the first meeting? Like, why are they coming to you? So you mentioned the books. We have also a 300 plus series podcast. We have lots of YouTubes and other things out there in the marketplace. And so most people have either been referred in like you guys, or they've gotten a hold of massive amounts of blog posts and videos and podcasts, and they're seeking something different. Most people today I find are frustrated with the stock market. They're mad at their bank and they just don't know what to do with their money. And so they're, they're on the internet and they're looking for alternatives. So we work with alternatives for cash, alternatives for growth and alternatives for income. And we have an alternative to financial planning. And so when people put in any of those words, that leads to us. Right. So they kind of see you after they've seen everyone else, right? A lot of times, um, sometimes they haven't been working with anybody because maybe they don't feel like they have enough money or maybe they have too much money and they don't want anybody to know. So a lot of our clients don't really have what they would call a financial advisor. Others do, and they're seeking something different. Yeah. And it's funny, a financial advisor is kind of that person you put in your pocket that gives you the guidance for developing a relationship with your money, right? That's kind of how it is. That's well said. You know, you used relationship with your money. I think sometimes there's money coaching that happens out there that is more on the relationship side. For me, it's like hard numbers to the facts, the products that we're going to use, the strategies I'm going to help you implement. I'm more about what you're actually doing with the money, a little bit less about the relationship side. Gotcha. Okay. So Christina would be more relationship. There you go. Okay. So, so if you're talking numbers, all right, what, what's your favorite thing to talk about when it comes to finance? Um, those three alternatives. So alternatives for cash, we use whole life insurance and I can dive deep into the numbers on that or be very conceptual. I'm a conceptual person. I just know that I need to know the numbers enough to be able to prove to the client absolutely positively what's going on. And then on the alternatives for growth and income side, we do mineral rights, we do bridge loans, we do oil and gas deals, we do life settlements. These are all in that alternative investment space where we're getting the alternatives for growth and income without being in the stock market. Um, A lot of what I've just mentioned is for accredited investors only. And then we have another space that's appropriate for the non-accredited investor. Yeah, I got you. So go ahead. Well, the, the whole life is something I do want to dig in deeper for one reason is for myself, because we were discussing this the other day. It's like, what, what did Kim say again? Was it whole life? Was it life term? Was it, what was it? Because I didn't write that down for what, because I'm just a dummy sometimes. Um, but I'd like to dig deeper into that. But because as I'm thinking about the health of my finances now, I've never thought about it that way. And Christina, uh, before opened my eyes to me as far as like having a relationship to money, because I never had that. It was always like, I can always make money. Like that's not a problem. I'll just spend it all and make more. And I never saw it as a relationship. Now that I do see it as a relationship, it was like, well, now I want to think about the health of my, of the money that I am making and how I can, you know, proceed from there, which is where, 
why I'm excited to speak to you. <laughs> yeah. So I love the tagline, the health of your wealth, because that's just as important. We know how much money affects our lives. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you, you said something very interesting, bringing up the whole life. So tell us why whole life insurance is that important. Because the position of cash and liquidity is the foundation of everybody's personal finances. When you have cash and liquidity, you can sleep at night, you have the ability to handle emergencies and the ability to take advantage of opportunities. So your 22-year-old kid out of school starting their first job needs to build their emergency opportunity fund. That's the first thing that people should do. And as we know, sometimes your 45-year-old or your 55-year-old is needing to get started and build that emergency opportunity fund. So then the next question is, well, where do you store it? And the best place to store liquid money is whole life insurance. It is not an investment. It is designed to be liquid, to be your cash, to be your emergency opportunity fund, which again is that foundation of wealth, which then we can build then everything else on top of that. Right. So the way I understand it is whole life insurance, is it up to, is it 52 or 62 years of age before you can actually start using it? So that's not accurate at all. Um, okay. I think we I think what you're thinking about is your, re your typical retirement plan is 59 and a half. So like 401ks, IRAs, 403bs, uh, Roth IRAs, SEPs, SIMPLES, KIOs at companies, that kind of thing. That's an investment. That's a different discussion. Whole life insurance, you can actually ask access right away. That's what the idea of liquidity means. Now, I don't mean like for grocery money, you're not gonna put that kind of money in whole life. This is again, it's your emergency opportunity fund, the type of place where you would put your savings money, not your investment money. Gotcha, okay. So when we think about savings, uh, I've asked people this before, I'm like, where do you save your money? Because you have a savings account in the bank, gives you maybe 5.5% return or so, if that, really with all the fees they charge, they take away way more than that. And some people go to resorting, like I'm just gonna store it in a jar or in my pillows or in my, my mattress, right? In my mattress, yeah. Yeah, but, but I understand long-term, and it, when you're looking at long-term savings, right? Like everyone talked about stock, 6% return, and CDs was a thing back in the day. 401ks are not even like a big thing anymore at all, right? Not as much. People are frustrated by having their money locked up until they're 59 and a half. Yeah, yeah. Because you can't do anything with it, right? right? You're like, I need it now. Like I need to remodel the house. I need to fix my car, right? Yep, not going to help. Right. So, so is that something that would be an alternative to like an emergency fund, you would say? Yes. Yes, exactly. So whole life insurance is the best place to store cash. And it is your emergency opportunity fund that you will use the rest of your life, which is why it's called whole life. Yeah. So, awesome. so when you help people set up with it, I mean, what is a good amount to start putting in there? Like, what would you recommend? The amount of money that you're saving monthly right now, save as a verb, not save like coupon clipping, but the amount of money that you're saving every month right now that might be going to a bank or a money market account or into your mattress. That's the amount that you can start your whole life with, which is awesome because you don't have to have a big lump sum. 
So again, if you're 22 years old, it can be a hundred a month and that'll work. If you're 55 years old, maybe it should be more like a thousand a month for it to really work. But whatever that monthly commitment is that you're used to saving, that's what you start with. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, uh, I actually have both my boys on whole life insurance already. I opened a IRA with them as well. It's funny because when we met, I remember I asked you about the 529 scholar. Yeah. I canceled it right away and said, all right, no more. I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to start putting into their whole life and their IRA and all that stuff too, because we've talked about this. You can't really predict the future, right? You don't know exactly what's going to happen with stock markets, no matter what people tell you, but whole life is pretty steady right? Yes. It's a 150 plus year old product and it's paid dividends for over a century. It's very, very boring and extremely effective. Right. So there was something else that you said about whole life. You said you can buy other people's whole life insurance, correct? Mm -hmm. Walk us you, through that. Yeah. You have to have an insurable interest. So your spouse, your children, significant others, key people in your business, those are the types of people that you can buy whole life insurance on. Um, who you can't buy it on is like niece and nephew. They have to be actual blood family. Um, you know, there's always exceptions, but um, that's pretty much the range, that insurable interest. Blood family and marital family and key people in the business. Gotcha. And so when you tell people to look for whole life, is there like a certain direction you tell them to like a certain company or do you just say like, just go with anyone that you find? So the companies that I work with are the fairly well-known mutual life insurance companies, names most people would recognize like Mass Mutual, Guardian, New York Life, Northwestern Mutual. Those are the types of companies that you want to look for is a dividend paying mutual life insurance company. There's probably about 20 that would work. And this is such an age old product that it really doesn't matter which company you pick as long as it's a mutual dividend paying company. So those 20 or so have been around forever and they're all pretty much the same. There's not a lot of differences as long as again, it's whole life at a mutual company. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So let's say I'm the typical high school kid. And I'm, I remember I had a high school economics teacher that said, I can show you how to be a millionaire by the time you're age 40 or whatever, if you just do this. Was he probably referring to something like this, where you're just like, if you start saving at an early age, you start dumping in a whole life, like that's what he's referring to maybe? Who knows? I mean, you can do the math easily if you have a financial calculator that will project a certain deposit, a certain interest rate, and then a certain time frame, and they'll project it out in the future. You know, it's so funny to me that people are still using the be a millionaire term. Yeah. They were using that 30 years ago when I got in the business. <laughs> a, a millionaire today compared to a millionaire 30 years ago, with inflation, a millionaire today, that's like $300,000. That is not a lot of money. And yeah. so, it, you know, just kind of a side note, it's just funny to me that people still use that be a millionaire. And as we know, what your net worth is means nothing. What matters is that cash flow that's coming into your household and your business every single month. Cash flow is way more important of a measuring stick than a net worth number or a lump sum number. 
But nevertheless, yes, what he's talking about is consistent monthly savings where you do not go backwards by having the stock market cut your asset in half or having a real estate loss or the myriad of things that people invest in, all of which I'm for. You know, we do those too, but that's an investment. You still have to have a place to store your cash. Right. So investment might be where you take your risk, right? And Correct. That's, yes. I'm taking a calculated risk. I understand what's going to happen. I mean, that's what happens with stock markets, right? Like right. everyone wants to get rich quickly, but they don't want to invest the long-term effort, right? 20, 30 years down the road. Yeah. And, and you think about, well, I don't have time for that now. I got to make some money now. I got to flip this. I got to turn this as well. And there's nothing sexy about it, right? Like it's, there's, there's nothing at all, right? <laughs> well but said. It's boring. <laughs> it's boring. But then at the end of the day, when you look at 50, 60 and you say, what is my net worth? What have I accumulated? You look back and say, what's my assets? What are my assets right now? I got a house, you know, I got some money in the bank. Um, what property do I own? Right. You know, stuff like that. But if you have liquidity at any given point, you won't have to sell the house, right? right? You won't have to start selling off items. You could say, I can just borrow from myself because I was smart enough to invest this and, and really turn it into a savings account into something I can use down the road and pull when I needed it. So yeah. I, I think that's great. It's funny because when I started uh, the account, it was with New York Life, actually. Awesome. Um, yeah. I, the guy explained it to me as a buddy of mine, and I, it made sense because he told me this thing. He said, okay, well, how much money do you think you need in order to retire? And I said, well, I, I don't even know what retirement looks like nowadays, right? Because people, my parents retired and they have social security and they also have paychecks come in from the retirement fund, but we're not going to have social security when we're older because it's not going to last. Right. And so I'm thinking, well, I'm probably going to keep working because I'm <laughs> passionate. I'm going to have some kind of project going on. But he asked, he said, what does that number look like if that was the case? And I said, I don't know, 5 million. He goes, okay, what's your lifestyle like? And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, what do you like to do? Uh, estimate what your lifestyle is going to be like when you're that age. And then quadruple. Like, you know, that's really what you might need. So I was like, 20 million? He goes, yeah. So how are you going to get there? How are you going to get to $20 million? <laughs> what's your plan? And I just looked at him like an idiot. I was like, I don't know. Work harder, save. Like, he goes, well, that's the problem. Everyone thinks that that's the case. It's not how much money you make. It's what you do with it and, and what you, when you save how it. You save, how yeah. much you save and what you do with it, right? Yeah, well said. <laughs> We're just learning that. I'm age yeah. 37. Well, I just barely understood that now. Well, you, the, you mentioned about the whole uh, people wanting to get rich quick kind of deal, but it, it happens the same in, 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 our, in our world with like in the medical world where like I just want to get healthy quick. You know, I just want that pill. And it's like it's, it's, it's not like that. Like, and I guess nothing is like that in, in the same sense. But in the same sense, because we are in business, I did want to get into like – the health of a business largely is tied to finances, right? Because right. It's, it's not like it gets sick, you know, it's not like, you know, a business doesn't, maybe, maybe there's, there could be a fire somewhere, you know, something like that. But uh, yeah, business finances. Um, where do you start? Like, where do you start? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're now thinking about like, what if we take money from someone to help us, with inventory, you know, what kind of suggestions do you have about like, or, or ideas do you have as far as like, how to, uh, I guess, uh, what's the word that, that we use, how to vet, how to take the right amount of money? That what, would be my question. Yeah. 
if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So a business is just like a family household. And as Christina tells you all the time, a family household is just like a business. They should be treated very similarly in terms of keeping of books and keeping track of things and setting goals and working towards things and having the long-term perspective. All of those things that you do for your family, you should be doing for your business that you do for your business, you should do for your family. So a business needs an emergency opportunity fund just the same way a family does. Now, whether or not they're going to buy whole life insurance on their key people to do that is a separate issue, but they absolutely are going to want to build ideally some type of emergency opportunity fund to sustain the business during the ups and downs. Now then the next step is where do you deploy resources? So if you have extra money, do you want to put more in marketing? Do you want to prepay for inventory? Do you want to hire other people? Those types of decisions. If you feel like you're short of resources, then you're looking at factoring receivables and getting bank loans and other investors and that kind of thing. And there's no easy answer. You know, the, the, the job of growing a business, I have my own business, my husband has his own business, uh, the job of growing a business is a full-time job. And then you have your profession, right? So you guys have to be business owners and you have to be your role in the business, what, you know, whatever your profession is that you're each doing. And that's tough. It, it is requiring skills of us. I have to be good at helping people with their finances, but I have to be good at marketing and systems and, you know, all these other things. So with businesses, again, just start simple and make sure that that emergency opportunity fund is handled. And then for me, I feel like the businesses that I help that have done the best job do a really good job of sticking to their knitting. They figure out what they're really, really good at and they just do that. And they pour more resources into the people that are doing that and they help their people do really, really good work at work they love because the idea of retirement really does need to go out the door. I mean, it's old, outdated, never really worked anyway. So you want all of your people to be loving their jobs and whatever you can do to make things run smoother in the business, then that to me is a very, very good business investment. Yeah. Are, are you going to retire at Never, all? ever. Never. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, what would you do, right? You'd probably sit there just still thinking of ways to do this and grow this, right? Absolutely. I love my work. I get to work out of my house, which helps a lot. You know, that actually not everybody likes that. I love that. And it's something that I would never, ever, ever consider not doing. Doesn't mean I don't take good vacations, good free time, you know, let the team handle things for a while. But I really feel like the idea of retirement has got to go. It is not good for our society. It's not good financially. Most people can't handle it. It's not good socially, emotionally, physically, intellectually, mentally. I mean, there's just so many things that are not good about it. I think there was a, there was a long time ago. Um, I've always been in sales where I was just like, I just don't understand how I could just not like just sit at home and just watch TV all day. Like I don't, I don't care, right? Like I just don't understand how that could ever be a thing um yeah maybe longer vacations would be nice but i still wouldn't like be gone forever either um so let me ask you this as far as um when you first started becoming a financial prosperity advisor 
you know, was there like a, a struggle that you went through that you said, no, this is, I had to figure it out for myself first. So that way I can now help people. Tell us your story about that. Yes. Big time, big time struggle. So I started out in the industry getting all my licenses and I went the typical stock fund mutual fund route that so many people do. Cause that's the sexy stuff. Right. And I got my CFP designation. So I was doing these financial plans. Now, this is before the internet existed. So you didn't have like Motley Fool that you could pop on and do your own. So I would collect all this data from a client. And then I literally would go into the back room in the computer and put it all into this thing called a financial plan and then present this big document that was full of assumptions. Think back to the questions that you had to answer, like, what age do you want to retire? Who knows that? Well, what kind of lifestyle do you have? Well, who knows that? So you're forced to pick some information so that you can put it in so the computer can do its job. It's ludicrous. And so for five years, I did that. And I finally had it. And I, I just said, I'm not doing this anymore. Like this whole financial planning thing, trying to figure out where you want to be in the future and then work backwards to get to today, that makes no sense. So I just quit doing it. And I went back to interview all of my wealthy clients from my first job, which was at a bank where I had a lot of real estate investors. And I, I just asked them, you know, what, what are you doing? Well, they weren't doing financial plans. They weren't putting tons of money in 401ks and that kind of thing. They were all business owners. They were real estate investors. They were doing bridge loans. That was a very common investment. And so I realized that that was a more efficient approach, which is save money, like save as a verb, you know, get clear on that. You absolutely have to do that 10, 20, 30% of your income build up those lump sums and then go invest in shorter term, very dynamic, fluid environments where the money can do a whole bunch of jobs. And it took me quite a while to figure out a really good formula for that, that other people could do because not, not everybody can just pop open a business. Not everybody can just go do oil investing right away or grab a bridge loan. You know, it's not as easy is doing the whole mutual fund thing where you can just push a couple buttons and get it done. So as I created the platform that, you know, the structure and just tested it over time and failed, I've absolutely lost money. Can't stand doing that. Yeah. I've absolutely picked investments that didn't work. Don't want to do that again. And I'm not saying that the rest of the road will be rosy, but we've, just narrowed it down over time. And I say, we, it's always an, a team effort, right? We've just narrowed it down over time to where we have things that really, really work for those three main jobs that money should do. Be liquid, create income or grow. And so that has been our focus now for a long, long time. We have the resources to do that. We know exactly how to plug people into that system and get the results. But it was a good I don't know, probably five to seven years of learning and failing and failing again and failing again before we figured it out. Because failing is an experience, right? That's how you learn, right? You're going to, right? That's just what happens. That's the ups and downs, right? Yep. Yep. I love that the schools are finally wising up that teaching kids how to fail is a super important part of life. We have to learn how to fail and get back up and try again. It's so important. Yeah. So what it, you said there, the three things you were talking about, you said whole life. The second one was the minerals. Can you elaborate on that one? 
Yeah. So mineral rights are a really good alternative for income. So you invest in a business that's at the top of a well. So it's not the oil underneath the ground. It's at the top and you get mineral rights and you get a UCC filing that collateralizes your money. And then you get a paycheck every 30 days. These are for accredited investors only. So you have to have a million dollar net worth or two to 300,000 of income, 200 if you're single, 300 if you're married. And once you've cleared that hurdle, you also have to have 150,000 of liquid cash, which is why the life insurance works so well. You've got to have that emergency opportunity fund stored. And then these mineral rights, they can be done with retirement dollars or after-tax dollars, create monthly cash flow, typically at a seven to 8% range. Wow, that's significant. <laughs> wow, so how do you even find this? This is something you manage, right? Yes. The, the how do you find it is the, the success and failure, success and failure environment that we went through for so many years before we found good contacts to do this. So I don't manage it personally, but I have contacts that do it that enable us to refer our clients to them. And they're not out there trying to help clients. Their job is running that business. And so they get to do what they're good at and I get to do what I'm good at. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I had never heard of anything like that because no one ever talks about that, right? It's not sexy. No one wants to talk about minerals, investment. It's like, what is that about? You want oil? You want to invest in oil? It's like, no, no, it's something else here. So there was a third thing though you mentioned too. What was the third thing? Life settlements. There we go. Oh, yeah. Can you walk right. us through? Yes. So this is when, this is the other side of life insurance. So this is when you buy somebody else's life insurance death benefit. And that enables you to give their family a win. I love this investment because such a win-win. They get the money now more than they would have if they'd canceled it at the insurance company. And then you get the ability to get their death benefit when they pass on. Now, clearly you're going to do this for somebody that's probably got a terminal illness and has been given, you know, maybe three to five years to live or something. So you put in money now and it sits in weights and it's done in a fund. So you're not buying just one policy, you're buying probably 10. And then as those death claims pay and death is a guaranteed event and the payment of life insurance death benefit is a guaranteed event. So when those death claims pay, then you get your money back. Plus of course your growth and you've helped them and it's easy for the advisor because there's nothing to do. You just wait and it works really, really well. And again, for regular money as well as IRA type money. So when you do that, how much money do you actually need to start off investing in something like that? The, those are minimums of 50,000 and um, again, either type of money and the time frame is about seven to 10 years. It can go faster. It might be five to seven years, but that's definitely one you want to be prepared to be in a little bit longer. Gotcha. So it's kind of odd. Like, how do you know when someone's about to kind of pass and how to ask them? Do you ask an individual or is this like, I mean, how does that work? Yeah, that's a great question. So there are senior citizens, um, because typically the age is in their 80s, um, even 90s all over this country that have life insurance and they either don't need it, they don't want it, or maybe they can't afford it anymore. Now these are typically large policies, five and $10 million policies. This is, you know, these aren't little small like burial policies or anything. These are large policies. In fact, maybe they were for a buy sell agreement at a business or something like that. 
So there is a whole network of agents. I don't do this. I'm on the buy side, not the sell side. But there is a whole network of agents that help people sell these policies to these funds that buy them. And you can do it privately, but it's more common in a fund. And then the funds, of course, are shopping and kind of competing with each other. And it's becoming a more known thing. It's actually been in the tax code since 1913. But it's definitely becoming a more known and talked about thing where seniors are selling their policies in order to free up cash today, either maybe to get some type of medical procedure done, uh, but more commonly for just giving their family the opportunity to maybe go on special trips or handle some things that are needed uh, before that person passes on. Yeah. So can a business invest in this too? Uh, yes, we don't typically see that though, because again, it's a seven to 10 year time frame. And so most businesses are going to want to keep their cash moving a little bit more and they would, your interest rate is in that maybe 8% range. So, you know, a business is probably going to earn more than that and they would be better investing in their own business than they would that kind of thing. But the business owner that has IRA money and most IRA money cannot go into a business so the business owner that has IRA money or maybe an old 401k that they need to roll over or something like that, that's the type of dollars that we see in the life settlements. Huh. Gotcha. So if you were a business, like especially with the end of the year coming up, and maybe you can answer this, maybe you can't. I mean, if you have extra money laying around, instead of donating it, if you can turn around and turn it into an asset, obviously you can buy you know, maybe land or property, but maybe you don't have enough for that. Is there something else a business should look for to build up more assets? Yeah, I think in that case, again, assuming that they have their emergency opportunity fund established sure. already, then, then the life settlements could make sense. I'll tell you something else that's really appealing for a lot of business owners, especially if they have high incomes, is the actual oil investment. So we talked about the mineral rights above the ground. Well, there's oil, obviously, in the ground. And you can get a large deduction for investing in oil wells. And again, you want to do that in a fund. And so that's an environment that a lot of our business owners are looking for. Other than that, what I see most businesses do is creating extra inventory or extra marketing to get more business. And those are both good investments as well. Hey Vitamizers, we are so thankful that you guys are listening to this podcast and enjoying it and responding to it. We love hearing your feedback and to thank you for listening to the podcast. If you haven't ordered an item from the Slenderella store before, we have a discount for you. If you go to www.slenderellausa.com, that link is also below. If you go to that link uh, and use the code WELCOME20, all one word, uh, at checkout, you will get 20% off your entire first order on our website. Again, thank you so much for listening to the How Do You Health podcast sponsored by Slenderella. Please go to our website, slenderellausa.com, use the code WELCOME20 at checkout, and you'll get 20% off of your entire order. Thanks so much, Vitamizers. Huh. So that means, so that would be considered, like marketing would almost be like the good debt that you want to go into, right? Right. Like, yeah, because you know what you're going to do with that in the return. Right. That's interesting. Because we we had this talk today. We have an inventory problem right now, which is a good problem to have. It's also a bad problem to have, right? You can't keep up with demand. But a year ago, we had people throwing money our way to, to invest. And like, how much do you need? You know, 40000 50000 
I told one person, like, I don't even know what I would do with that money just yet. Like, honestly, like, I don't want to have a clock over my head saying the time's clicking and, and we're ticking. Like, what are you going to do with it? I look now, I say, I would buy inventory. So that's great that you just, you know, validated that yeah. idea. I was like, all right, buy more inventory because you know what to do with it. At this right. Point. Yep. That's amazing. I mean, it's, it's incredible because none of this was taught well, at least to me, I mean, I, I went to chiropractic school. I went to nurse practitioner school. No one at the end basically said, this is how you run a business. You know, they said, maybe here's a P&L sheet. Maybe this is how you build insurance. This is how you build insurance. That, that's what our that they said. This is the code you need to build insurance. I said, well, what if you're not building insurance? What if you're going cash? They're like, good luck. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's basically it. No one's teaching this. I know. It's one of my biggest hopes that I get some spare time in my life at some point to develop curriculum for the high schools and the colleges because you are so right. Personal finance is just a wall, and it's so, so missing. Yeah. So I, by I the way, just wanted, yeah, I just wanted to say as a resident young person, I knew nothing about money until after I graduated college, <laughs> straight up. Like I had loans, I didn't know what that meant. I just yeah. finally bought my own first car and like just making the first auto payment. I was so stressed about being late or like, how does interest work? What, it, what does it mean if I pay extra on this? Like, yeah, so fully support uh, teaching kids what money is. Yeah. And, and by the way, Kim, uh, we had a really good talk yesterday with, uh, with the group of our of our crew, I should say that it's, it's like we're trying to develop a, a platform for, for basically a new school and educational system because our big dream is to build a new health insurance and, and to also somehow save soil. But, uh, but a lot of it has to do with education and it's crazy because like, it feels like today's educational system, as well as many other systems that have were established, like you said, 30, 40 years ago, they just don't work anymore. Yeah, and they're broken. The idea that people graduate and don't even know what to do with the money they're about to earn is, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Do you guys follow Peter Diamandis at all? No, no. You I will, guess we should. <laughs> you will want to look him up. So Peter Diamandis, D-I-A-M-A-N-D-I-S. And he's actually an MD, but he never practiced. He owns a whole bunch of different companies. And he runs in the Jeff Bezos and Tony Robbins, et cetera, circle, Elon Musk, et cetera. And he has some great information on the future of healthcare and education, what we should be doing with food, sustainability, all that kind of thing. You love guys it. will love it. Yes, yes. That's right up our alley. I, I look at the idea of what an investment really means, right? Because you talk about health investment, right? The same way we talk about financial. And I know that you being associated with even Christina Wise, you understand health is an important thing. So now that we're bringing that topic full circle here, what is it that you do for your health? What do you do on a daily basis to kind of keep your mindset going so you don't have to retire at an early age and keep going? Right, right. So important. So um, you said it well, starts with mindset. So in the morning, I always make sure that I have spiritual time or inspirational time, whatever, you know, practice people have, they must have something meditation, whatever it is. Um, I live out in the country. So I like to go for a walk with the dog. And I listen to my Bible you know, that that's my choice for my time. Sometimes I sit and read for a little bit. 
And it's just so, so critical to get our mindsets where they need to be for the day. Stay off social media, stay off the phone, stay off the things that are incoming and make sure that you're going out and seeking what it is that you want to fill your brain with in the morning. And then a big believer in bulletproof tea. I don't like coffee. So I have bulletproof tea with the whole brain octane oil and protein powder and whatnot. And, and then uh, my favorite supplement, if you will, is juice plus. So they're a, you know, fruit and veggie grilled into uh, ground into powder. I take the kids version, which are little gummies because <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't like to swallow pills. So I like to eat the gummies. And then I do a variety of different things. Um, my new favorite of the last year or two is Viome, V-I-O-M-E. Are you guys familiar with this? I'm not. He might be. Uh, that's the one Doug talks about all the time. Yeah. Is that the HRV? No, no, no. It's, it's where you you do the the bacteria from your gut. Like, right? Yes. So, okay, explain it to me. So you send in a sample. Okay, I'll let you figure that out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you get back a list of the foods that are specific to you your five superfoods and then foods that you should enjoy as much as possible. And then there's a middle section, I forget what they call it. And then foods that you should avoid. And they, they're not overly strict. They don't say like, you can't ever have you know, X, Y, Z, but they do give you foods that you should avoid. And avoid means like less than once a week, I think. And it's so valuable because I've followed blood type diet. I've done paleo, you know, I've done all these things. And of course you get conflicting advice from various sources. Well, with Viome, so it's VIOME.com. I'm not connected to them at all. And they're actually on sale right now. So VIOME.com, you get a little kit, you send in your sample, you get, uh, you get some questionnaires on the web, you get specific information back, takes about a month. And I actually have met the owner of this company, Rockstar. I mean, this is so helpful. And in fact, the little kit, and you want to retest maybe once a year or so, um, the little kit said something about like, wouldn't it be awesome to live in a world where sickness was optional? Because so much of what happens to us is because of the food that we're eating or not eating. Right. And it's so confusing because you get these different things out there. So this is specific to you. And it's like 150 bucks. And they do a thing where they keep updating their, their uh, yes. I guess, their data bank, right? And then yes, like yes. next year you'll send like, oh, you know what? That one string that you had, we now figured out that it could also do this and this and that because we have so much more data from so many yep. different patients. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I'd like to uh, – I. I haven't done it, but I've heard a lot about it. And Doug spoke about it. Doug's, Doug's a really good uh, friend of ours that has been a client as well for many, many years, but he's a performance athlete. So he, he, he tells us about a lot of these things too. <laughs> yeah. I love that's, it. That's cool. That's cool. So what else do you do? <laughs> well, I, I also have uh, for myself a very spiritual approach to health. And so I was um, born in a log cabin and I've never been in a hospital and I've never taken any medication of any form and I don't drink or smoke, never have. So pretty cheap date. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And um, I did find out quite some time ago that I was blood type O. So I do tend to eat red meat because that works for me. 
and uh, we try to plant a garden here. So I try to do lots of veggies. Um, I have my little bag of walnuts here. I, I like walnuts and almonds and pecans and that kind of thing. Um, try to eat as little fruit as possible. I mean, some, but that just doesn't work very well for me. And my sin, if you will, is ice cream. Nice. Ice cream. Oh, yeah. uh, it could be a lot worse than that. Yeah. What, what, what's the tea that you drink in the morning? What kind of tea is it? Um, bunch of different kinds. Usually just green tea. My favorite brand right now is, um, starts with an M. I'm blanking on it. I, I'm not a picky tea person. Um, what matters way more to me is the collagen protein that goes into it and the brain octane oil and sometimes flaxseed. So like, it's not pure bulletproof. I don't prefer the butter. I like the flaxseed and the brain octane oil better. Sometimes not the flaxseed, but um, that's my breakfast of choice, without a doubt. Nice. When you take the brain off chain, do you notice something afterwards? This is like no. your brain kind of awakened? No, I don't. No. I just okay. you just know it's good for your brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's what. Did you ever? Did you ever feel something? Because I don't really ever. Well, I usually fast at like 4 p.m. But like the other day, I was going to do a longer fast, so I did eat in the morning just to load up, and I decided to do some like MCT powder. And I was like, whoa, like just buzzing. And I was like, but I just don't ever get that because I don't really have the breakfast or, or break my fast. And, and so, um, so did you ever feel that from the brain often? Like maybe at the beginning? No, no. Um, I don't think I ever feel anything from any of that kind of thing. And I, I take a really simple approach. So I haven't had like any, anything extreme, but like, you know, the juice plus or this protein or that, or, you know, this, additive or that little supplement. Um, like when I go to a Peter's events, Abundance 360, they always have all kinds of fun little things to try. I never notice any of that stuff. <laughs> but I think a little bit of it is because I have a pretty clean system. Just eat. I mean, I grew up on a farm also, just like eating and living the way that I have for so long. Maybe that's some of it. Um, my daughter and I actually figured out that I don't have very good sense of smell. Mm. And so I don't also have very good sense of taste. So most stuff I'm like, yeah, whatever, just eat it, be done with it. <laughs> so maybe that is part of that. I really don't know. That's a great question. And I don't think I've tried the MCT powder. So maybe that's the difference. Yeah. Well, see everyone. So at our place, you know, cause we have our vitamin lounge, right? We have our right. vitamin bar. And when people come in, the number one thing they're asking for is energy. Right. And so I don't know what kind of energy they're looking for. Right. Because some people drink a bunch of coffee all day. Right. Like I can't drink coffee. It makes me jittery and anxious. I just don't like it. But Baldo can drink like four cups a day at least even have one at like nine o'clock at night, not decaf, like regular. And he's fine. And it's funny because if I drink that, I'm bouncing off the walls. I'm anxious. And so when you said like, I don't feel anything, most people do want to feel something, right? They want to be awake. They want to be alert. But I also think too, it's their lifestyle, right? Absolutely. If they're not sleep, if they're not maybe meditating first thing in the morning, regulating their metabolism, watching what they eat, balancing, they, their, hormones. balancing their hormones and stuff like that, then yeah, they're probably tired all the time and they need stimulants or they need some kind of caffeine to get them going. So I think what you're doing is, is incredible. I had a I had a lot of uh, chiropractic classmates that were Mormon. Okay. And they, they're same thing you're saying. They're like, I was born at home. Uh, my family was born at home. They've right. never been to the doctor, never had their blood drawn, never had a needle into them. 
And it's funny because they turned out just fine. Right. Right. Like nothing. Like you hear all these horror stories. Oh, you should do this. And you didn't get this done. And I'm like, they were fine. Like, and they have a whole family to prove they were fine. Right. 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 Yeah. It's yep. incredible. Right. I, I it's, yeah. The idea that you were born in a log cabin is unheard of nowadays, but that was the norm. Like, a hundred years ago, right? Right, right. Well, the, the backstory is my parents were camp counselors and it's in Buena Vista, Colorado, which was a long way from anywhere. And this is 1966 and um, it was summertime. And so I was born there. And um, then fast forward, my sister had her kids at home. I had my kids at home 22 and 24 years ago. So yeah, I mean, Last time I checked, women have been having babies for a long it's, it's time. It's way more hospitals. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, I get that. But, but let me ask you this. Was it, I mean, what influenced you to kind of continue that mode, right? Because did, did your daughter have kids? Did they have them at home as well? So my, my daughter and son are just out of college. So no children no, yet. Not yet, not yet. <laughs> right, right. And um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I can see my daughter going a little bit more the medical route. I can see my son actually going more, you know, the spiritual route, I guess I would say for lack of a better term. Um, I think my mom's own um, action or lack of action, I guess, with us, both my, me and my sister was somewhat of an influence, but... I just didn't want, I, I just didn't see that all those ex extra steps as necessary. I just knew, that, like I said, that's what Warren Buffett says. He goes, why move houses? It doesn't financially make sense. Right? <laughs> well yeah. said, well so said. I will tell you my other favorite thing workout wise to do, and I don't get to do it as, as much as I would like, but I love hot yoga. Nice. Oh yeah. Now yeah. you're speaking our language. Yeah. 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 It's the best. That's cool. Um, I did, I'll tell you a quick story. The first time I did hot yoga, Baldo actually bought me like one of those 30 day passes. And I remember it was very hot. They turned up the heat. I remember seeing the teacher said, Oh, it's not hot enough. Let's turn it up a little bit more. And I was like, man, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I tapped out at like towards oh, yeah. the end. I was like, I can't do this. My heart rate is not regulated. I'm stepping out. And it was interesting because I came back in later on and I looked at Baldo. I said, I don't understand how people can do this. Like, it doesn't make any sense where the health benefits from like overheating your body and everything. He's like, you need to learn how to breathe. <laughs> That's what he told That was his answer. Right? You need to learn right? how to breathe. And I was like, what does that have to do with anything? He's like, you need to breathe. Yep. And I said, like, well, I guess I'm not breathing right. <laughs> well, That's it's interesting. Killer. I never thought about that specific thing, but when I was in sixth grade, I decided to play the tuba <laughs> and I'm not a big person. So I had to really learn how to breathe so that I could get all that air through that instrument. Right. Yeah. And it, that may have actually helped me. I started hot yoga years and years and years ago, but I never thought about that connection. And you're totally right because if you don't breathe, you struggle. And um, if you do, because now you've figured out how to deal with it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I learned how to breathe finally. I stopped breathing in my chest. I actually well, activated my, deeper. my stomach. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He did the 30 days, so eventually he was going to have to learn. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had no choice. Because I, the thing was, I wasn't deterred. I wasn't, like, you know, offset by the idea I tapped out. I easily could have given up. But I said, no, I'm going to keep doing this. Um, it was just this one class. It, it was a couple of other teachers. They were not as intense. 
but you know, inspired me to say, all right, well, I'm going to figure this out. Right. Because we're capable of doing extraordinary things. Right. Oh yeah. The idea of me sitting through a 60 minutes of hot yoga is not out of this world, the kind of mentality, everyone does it all the time. But I look at saying, well, what is your body telling you that you need to listen to? And I took away, it wasn't, I was dehydrated or anything. It was like, I'm not breathing correctly. And so like, that's what I took out of it. So ever since then, I've been focusing on my breath. And so you talk about your morning routine. The first thing I do in the morning is I do legs on the wall. Okay. Yoga pose, right? So right, right. Out of bed. Yep. And I get on the ground. I do legs on the wall and I try to breathe. And my mentality is if I can get a good five breaths in a row where I activate my core and I feel like my heart kind of slows down, I'm like, good. I'm in a good rhythm. Now with kids, it's a little hard because they come over and they jump on me and they, I can hear them in the monitor and all that. But I figure like if I can start off the day by regulating my breathing in a good rhythm, then I'm pretty much ready to face the day. Yep. Right. And mentally it does something else for me. Obviously the spirituality and all that, it, it, it enlightens you. That's what it is, right? So I think that's a good approach for most people to take just to start off the day, right? Rather than get out of bed, rushing to get in the shower. And, you know, I don't want that anymore, right? I'm finding myself, I'm getting up earlier now with just that, right? Like I'm getting up just to look forward to that, which is weird, right? I mean, (laughs) I used to sleep until one o'clock back in the day thinking like, how am I ever going to make my two o'clock class? Like, you know, like I'm just not going to happen. So things have changed, but this was college for me. Let me ask you this. Your kids, they're fresh out of college. They know about this. They've read your books probably. Maybe they haven't. I don't know. Um, what is the thing that you tell them that you don't normally tell other people? You tell them because they're your kids. What's the little little tidbits you tell them? Buy a whole life insurance. <laughs> so both of them did that right when they got their first jobs. That's cool. And find work you love. Nice. That's simple. Yep. That's simple. Like, that's incredible. I. What do they do? What are, if you don't mind me asking? Um, not at all. So my son raises money for a nonprofit. He lives in St. Louis, but he travels the country raising money and loves it. He's so perfect for it. He's been doing it about a year plus now, year and a half almost, and just as happy as can be. And my daughter actually is graduating in December, but she already has her first job at a uh, medical startup. It's called Cliexa. And they have some type of an app. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but it has to do with monitoring um, medication for diabetes people, I think, something like that. So um, they both are doing thing, you know, that my daughter's, I think, still a little unclear, but she does have an integrated health degree that she's getting a BS from Metro State in Denver. And she's very happy with the people that she works with. And we all know how valuable that is. So yeah. W- were you not happy with the people you work with? That's why you went remote and isolated or what? It's like, I'd rather just be on by myself. I, might be, I can stand my husband and my dog, but you know, like, I don't know, maybe that was the issue. You know, that's an interesting question. I started working remotely literally when the internet began and I, I didn't go a hundred percent right away, but um, I'm an introvert. So I love being by myself. Um, I usually run eight to 10 meetings a day, three days a week. And so it's super fast paced. I'm just on the phone and helping people or zoom or, you know, whatever the systems were called in the past. Yeah. And 
I don't mind an office environment. You know, I don't mind coming to events like where I met you guys, but they are not what I want to be doing all the time. I'm very task oriented. And so I just want to do my work and my work is on the phone so much more efficient because that other person on the end of the phone, when you do phone work, you get on the phone, you get your work done and you get off the phone. When you meet face-to-face, there's all this other ancillary stuff going on. Like you're worried about how you look and you're, you know, <laughs> somebody's late from the meeting because of traffic and you, have, you feel like you have to talk about the weather and, you know, 10 other things. I just find it more efficient to be remote. And like I said, I mean, I've been doing it since literally like the beginning of the capability of, of working that way. And of course, it was very weird at the beginning and now it's way more normal but I love it. And I know that some people don't, some people really need the whole personal engagement thing, but I just don't. I I get you. I get you. Um, Let me ask you something. What's your opinion on Bitcoin and cryptocurrency? I love the cryptocurrency space without a doubt. I wouldn't call it an investment yet. Like, yeah, buy some, but don't put any serious money there without a doubt though. The, cryptocurrency and the uh, blockchain and the capacity that those systems have to overhaul the messes that we have in this country and the unbelievable lack of accountability of all kinds of things. I mean, health insurance is one tiny aspect of them will be instrumental and I will be so grateful. And I, I don't know exactly what that looks like. Peter Diamandis talks about this a lot also and so I'm super excited for where cryptos can take us, what blockchain can do for us. Again, I, I don't consider it a, a real investment yet. Put a little money in, but I do consider it a solution. Gotcha. So that leads you to our next tough question, if, if you want to answer this. Where do you see the dollar going? That's a good question. So um, I think we're we're going to be okay with it. Um, I still hope that cryptocurrency comes in and, and runs side by side with it for a while. There is so much that is tied to the dollar. I mean, literally everything across the world is in some form or fashion tied to the dollar. So I don't really see it like disappearing as a monetary unit of measurement. It might, but I'm not overly concerned about it. What's most important is that we focus on what we can control. And we cannot control what's gonna happen with the dollar. And so we can control how much money we save, what we do with our mindset, how we treat our bodies, those kinds of things. That's where we should be spending our time. Gotcha, gotcha. Well said. That, that's interesting. Um, I had a, a, a friend of mine, he used to say, gold and silver, that's where it's at right now. It's still, that's, he goes, that's not going away. Now I hear whole life insurance. That's not going away. That's, that's the real gold and silver right there. That's the long term, you know? Well, when people do, do get concerned about their money, I, I think if you want to store something, you should store food, water, candles, batteries. I mean, those are the things that you should store. And I'm not a big prepper, you know, the, the term applied to people that are like way off the charts in terms of that even though we do live out in the country and yes, I want to have solar and all those things, but throw some food in a pantry, put some batteries and candles in there and then stop thinking about it because being overly worried about this thing that may or may not happen isn't doing you any good at all. 
Right. You got to focus on the now, what you can do now. Christina said this interesting thing for me because I asked her about, you know, doing this and changing the world and taking on this. She's like, well, what about your family? Like, what are you doing for them? Because they're there. Take care of them first before you try to take care of all these other things. Right. And it was incredible because, you know, she has two kids. You got a couple kids. I have two kids. I, I know they're going to grow up in a different environment just because of everything going on in this world, right? 20 years ago, Facebook was not a thing, right? Now it is. Now cryptocurrency is right up there. You have to be up to date with it. You had an answer, like I have, I have high hopes for it, right? Like, you know, other people might be resistant, right? In the medical world, it's the same thing. There was paper charting up until about seven years ago is the norm. And now you have all these doctors that can barely even text and open up a computer and all that. But yet, Imagine what it's going to be like with my four-year-old and one-year-old by the time they decide they want to go to college. Maybe they decide they don't want to go to college. Maybe they come to me at 18, and instead of me investing in the scholar 529, I invest in their whole life, and they say, Dad, I want to open a business. I know exactly what to do with this. Okay, tell me. And it's weird because when I was growing up, I was told, go to college, get a job, and then you start saving, investing, buy a house, whatever. That's your investment. And now – you have people that can work from a laptop and invest in this and start a business when they're 14 off their phone and you try to tell them go to college and start saving in a 401k and they look at you like, what the, what's a 401k, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Incredible. Yeah, but I, I love your wisdom. I love your knowledge. Um, I've learned so much from you again, just hearing this. I'm sure the listeners did as well. Um, Tell the listeners how they can find more of your wonderful information. So partners, number four, prosperity.com is our website. All the blog posts are there. All of our podcasts are there when we're on iTunes and Stitcher and all the places that you'd find podcasts called the prosperity podcast with Kim Butler. And I have eight or nine books on Amazon. So there's lots of places. Do you have a favorite book? Do you have a favorite book you recommend to start with? Um, of mine, yes. Uh, Live Your Life Insurance is the shortest and the most specific to the conversation that we've had today. And then um, I think the most interesting book that I've written is called Busting the Interest Rate Lies because, and Allison will be interested in this, I wrote it with a kid in high school in mind. And so it weaves a story of a kid in high school learning some things about their personal economy and going forward with it kind of just walks them through their life. And so I think that's the most interesting book that I've written. That's wonderful. That is great. Well, we're going to have to get you to come to Austin somehow again, because we're (laughs) going to have lots of events ourselves. But what you're talking about needs to be needs to be known. Right. And I'm thankful that we did get to meet. I'm thankful for the network that people have established for us to, you know, come into each other's lives. And I think what you're doing is life changing. I I, I applaud you. I mean, who would have known that me talking to you and sitting in for like 20 minutes there, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to think about life insurance ever the same again. Right. Like it's incredible. So, so thank you. Thank you for what you're doing, your wonderful knowledge. And uh, I hope to uh, run into you again. Thank you, Kim. Oh, you're so welcome. I love the conversation. I'm happy to do it again. If the listeners feel like they want round two, just reach out to me. We'll 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 definitely do it again. Thank you you so much, Kim. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.